Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 13-month-old baby. Welcome in, everybody. Great to have you uh, with us. Patrick Johnson here. Uh, superstition because of what, Ben? Because I feel like it, and I didn't want to play center field. That song stinks. I never want to hear it again. <laughs> oh. I thought, uh, you know, 13 is usually considered to be unlucky, but it was, it was, I guess it was unlucky for Gavin Williams day, but 13 was a, a pretty sweet number today. Wasn't it? That's my favorite uh, number, baby. God, he was great. Uh, welcome in everybody. It's nice to have you with us. Patrick Johnson here. Oh, look, there's Ben Byram. He's producing today's show. Hey, Ben. Hey, man. Did you know that Craig Willard's going to be at the working man's beach on July 4th? Craig I Willard in the embers. Yeah. I saw that today. Saw that today. They're going to be down at the Working Man's Beach on July 4th. Uh, they'll also be, uh, hopefully, with us sometime in the next few weeks uh, here on our uh, rescheduled concert on the Common. Hey, it's great to have you with us. Uh, we're on the uh, eve of the Big Rock. We are on uh, Super Regional Game 2 pregame, Super Regional Game 1 postgame. And we got a lot to get to here uh, today. Uh, Pirates uh, lose a tough one, 2 to nothing, uh, against uh, Vanderbilt. And uh, so, Ben, we talked about this a little bit on the show the last couple of days, and then you and I kind of talked uh, before we left the building yesterday, before I left the building yesterday. And, you know, because, you know, we always like to, you know, how do you think it's going to go? What's your prediction for the season? What do you, you know, we, we tell it, we say it here, but sometimes we temper our remarks or sometimes we, we maybe, I don't want to say don't tell the truth, but I mean, sometimes we, we're a little more analytical to sell the game. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that's in any field, kind of. You can't just straight right. up say that the team sucks or... Well, you just did, up. but they don't. I know what you're saying. No, but, I didn't say that. I'm just making an example here. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, Cliff Godwin said this week, you know, they're prohibitive underdogs. And I, and I think if you're taking Vegas action, the Pirates were underdogs coming in. But I, we did say yesterday, kind of a little bit on the air, but I also, you know, we said this between ourselves after the show, this this first game was going to be close. It was going to be low scoring. That's just the feel I had, and I, and I, I assume that was the feel you had by the way you were talking. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, that, I mean, I didn't expect the bats to be pretty hot in this game. Right. You have two dominant pitchers, two guys that are going to go in the MLB draft, a pair of guys are going to go, uh, and if they're on their A game, put on a heck of a show, and that's what they did today. Um, boy, Rocker's scary, isn't he? 
both those guys are sc- but I mean both those I think guys are gonna make a- better. I'll go ahead and say I think Gavin's way better. Screw they're gonna both he they're both good they're both gonna what are, you can't say that. That's ridiculous. No, he, he was excellent. No, get out of here. Then I go play for now. the Rays and be irrelevant for the next ten years. By the way, the Rays just win. I, I don't know about irrelevancy, but Rocker See, I didn't even know that. That's how irrelevant they are. <laughs> Rocker's now 13-3. and three. He's 6-0 and oh in the NCAA tournament. 063 ERA. Goes seven and two-thirds. That uh, last hit, you know, ran him. Otherwise, he'd have gone eight. Three hits, three walks, 11 strikeouts. Gavin Williams was magnificent today, too. He, he gave up a walk to the leadoff man. Two for the day, two runs. One of the runs shouldn't have even counted against him, and I'll explain why. Seven hits, seven and a third's innings. He doesn't come out for the eighth if that double play doesn't material. Because it was kind of a funky play. But Gavin had 13 strikeouts today. It's his first loss since May of 2019. It's pretty unbelievable stuff. Pirates don't get any runs after scoring 24 in the Greenville Regional. Uh... So that's it. Pirate bats were silenced today. I think they were a little over-aggressive, Ben, against Rocker the first time through. Once they settled in, they did get to him a little more, but they only managed three hits today. What What do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you, you can't. There's not a lot of ball games you can win getting three hits. I mean, I don't care who you're facing. You, you just got to get the hits in, especially with this lineup that's been coveted all year for getting hits. You, you just you got to keep it up in the postseason in order to win. And, uh, you know, I get it. Game one, there wasn't high expectations for a lot of people coming to this game for us specifically. But still, three hits, that's that's nothing to write home about. That's that that's pathetic. Yeah, no. I don't know. It just seemed like ECU had a, a few more chances. But I think that was just because Gavin was, was working as hard as he did. He kind of scattered his hits. He kept them in the game. No, he did. You're right. Pirates got a runner to second twice. The, the fifth inning really was not. Now, that was interesting because that's when he had the steal. And I, I didn't realize this. You know, obviously, we were watching the telecast. We're not in Nashville. But it's a turf field. And they said that the mound was turf. And the, the infield dirt was, too. Now, to me, I, I didn't think about that at the time. But when Norby slid into second base, he slid like so far past and away. And that's because he was on the turf. Because he had he had a great jump. That base was stolen. And that, so that was a big moment there in, in the game. And what was that, the fifth inning, Ben? Where Norby gets thrown out and then there's the strikeout to end the, end the threat. It was somewhere around there. Either way, but you're then, at a turf in baseball. Well, I, I, turf dirt it seems a little... Strange to me, but, um, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, but that's when Gavin came back out and kind of flipped the script and gave ECU the momentum in the bottom of the inning. Um, yeah, just when they got, when they chased rocker, that seemed like maybe the kind of the, the custard's last stand, the last chance, especially when you have the three Oh pitch and it's, it's swung at. On three and zero. Now, that was a question that was asked. We're going to hear some of the cuts here in a little bit, but I mean, for Francisco, that was a tough, tough situation. There pops out 
and you're you're you I mean you're you're making a threat there. There were two down, yeah. So I mean that's that's a tough up three oh, two out, pop out into foul ground. So that's a tough one. Um the run should never the, the, there shouldn't have been a run on the board anyway. The Enrique Bradford deal, Enrique Bradford Jr. deal where he where he slid and scored, that was that was just a heck of a play by him. The throw was a little off the t- I mean it was bang bang and the replay confirmed all of that. So I, nobody has any problem with that. The guy made just made a heck of a play. But Parker Nolan that bunt single to get things going for them. You know, he got the third on the double and then the ground out he scores. That run should have never been on the board. And it was confirmed on on television squaring to bunt he'd stepped out of the back of the batter's box. He was technically out of the batter's box. Oh yeah. That's not reviewable though. So maybe that if we're going to have replay in this stuff and by god we got enough replay in football and basketball to last a lifetime. But if we're going to introduce that into baseball, I think that's something that's got to be looked at. But if you're wondering, did he step out of the bat out of the out of the batter's box on the bunt single? Did Nolan? Yes, he did for for Vanderbilt. He sure did. Um, that's that's kind of it, Ben. You know, I, I think tomorrow's tomorrow's scary because I mean you're putting it on a freshman, and he's a great freshman, but he had a rough start in his appearance last week. And I think a lot of that was nerves, and he looked like a freshman. Hey, I'll say this: Gavin Williams did too. So maybe, yeah. But but with Gavin, it's it was it was rough for Gavin. But it was it just was it just felt different with the freshman. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just I a just, matter of settling in in the postseason. Yeah, I, I hope so because you knew Gavin would be fine today. I, I, nobody expected him to do what he did, but you knew he'd be fine today. Uh, do you want to go ahead and get to the cuts? Let's get to it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, recap of uh, all the post-game extravaganza. We're going to go out to uh, uh, Nashville telephonically. Got a couple of fans out there. I don't think Pirate Al is going to be with us, but he might. Uh, but we got a couple other fans that we know are out there. We're going to kind of get a, an update on them. That's coming up. Uh, the college football playoff deal, Rini and Golia on that. We'll, uh, we'll address all that more next segment. But right now, let's do... Some of the post-game from today's game on our Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Uh, This should be pretty breezy. Uh, Coach Godwin on the loss to Vanderbilt. Yeah, just a really well-pitched game by two studs, you know, uh, Rocker was just a tick better. I think they got three extra base hits. We didn't get any extra base hits. He was really tough today. Uh, I haven't watched every one of his outings, but he was as good today as anything I watched on video. Made it really hard on us. And Gavin was really good too. And, uh, you know, we got to be able to score, scratch a couple for us to be able to win a game like that. But Rocker, I tip my hat to him and the two guys that came out of the bullpen for Vandy. This is uh, then some of the players. Gavin Williams talking about his performance today. Uh, it was pretty fun. I felt like I, hold, I held my own the whole game. Um, I wasn't trying to do too much. I was just trying to give our uh, team a shot to win. You know, I, I thought, Ben, uh, he was a little amped up uh, with the first batter. 
Bradford, and then, you know, he was obviously cognizant. He, I thought he picked Bradford off at least once, maybe twice. Yeah. But then he came out, and after Bradford got on, even though he kept throwing over there, he settled down, and, I mean, he was just blowing it by guys. There, there were a couple, before he really started to mix things up in the first few innings, what, you know what he said after the first? He said, the hell with it. I'm going to ride my fastball. And he did. And I mean, he hit 99 to end the first. He was consistently that, around up, oh, yeah. upwards of 95. And I mean, the thing is, this Gavin Williams, you get him into a development deal with the professional baseball, and he's able to get in that workout regimen. He's going to be a, a horse. He's going to be a stud. I mean, he already is, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Get him get him in that workout environment. My gosh. So let's skip to the cut five here, Ben. Uh, and this is Gavin being comfortable with his start today. Yeah, I did feel comfortable. It's just a, another baseball game. Uh, can't worry about the, the name on the other jersey. Just got to worry about the present moment, really. Uh, Thomas Francisco. Uh, thoughts on his performance? Yeah, you know, he did a great job. Uh, he attacked us, and uh, we didn't really stick to our game plan at all. You know, Gavin pitched an unbelievable game and gave us every every shot to win. We just didn't do a good job of stringing the bats together at all today. So we got to do that if we, we want to win. Uh, Francisco <clears throat> talked about uh, putting this one behind them today, the 2 nothing loss to Vandy, and moving on to tomorrow. Yeah, we know tomorrow's a new day, and, you know, we have to win two at this point, so it does us no good to – worry about what happened today at this point. We just got to learn from it, come back tomorrow, and uh, get it going offensively. And, you know, the pitching staff will keep doing their thing. So we got Cliff Godwin on uh, Kumar Rocker here. Ben, do you just want to play six and seven kind of back-to-back since it's about Rocker? Uh, or is seven more about a specific thing? I, I, I saw the presser. I just don't remember. Was it about – okay, we'll just do it back-to-back here. So this is Cliff Godwin on Kumar Rocker. Now, Ben is – disparaging the good name of Kumar Rock. I'm joking. I'm joking. I know. Obviously. I know. I know. It's frustrating, though. Look, I, I, I'm thinking about it now, Ben. And Rocker was great. Gavin Williams was better today. I, I'm not trying to say he was not. He was. All, it was rooted in some truth. All I'm saying is there definitely is an argument to be made. No, no. Gavin was the better guy today. Now, Rocker was pretty damn good. It's, yeah. it's one and one A, but Gavin Williams... Deserved, and, I, and I'm not. I'm not saying that as an ECU partisan. I mean, I, Gavin Williams today deserved to win. He put the team on his back, and he deserved a better fate. Well, obviously, Rocker's a guy that everyone's been talking about all year, and then for the first time today, a lot of people are finally getting some eyes on him. And uh, obviously, he blew up on Twitter. He was a huge thing on social media, and everybody's freaking out over him. And they're kind of overlooking the guy, Gavin Williams who I personally thought had a better start. It's arguable either way, whether however you feel about it. It's, no, both were great. Yeah, both were great. It's very close. Always a te- always anonymous text line. Uh-oh. Vanderbilt, here we go. Vanderbilt sees a Gavin Williams every Friday night. The second run wouldn't have scored if the catcher blocks the ball. That's a good point. Had two balls get that uh, should have been blocked today. I don't think Vanderbilt's, he's a Gavin Williams every night. I think you're overrating the SEC a little bit when it comes to pitching. They see a good number one. Yeah. Gavin is, Gavin is a good number one. You know. All right. Um, Cliff Godwin on Kumar Rocker, six and seven back-to-back. 
It's just tough. I mean, he's he's really good. Um, controls the running game. Once we had an opportunity to, you know, make something happen with Norby, and Norby got a bad jump and kept running. And uh, that's just us trying to do too much right there instead of just sticking to our keys. And if we get a bad jump, take it. But once we ran one time, he was slide stepping, so it was really difficult to do anything offensively when we had a guy at first base. I mean, you saw it. Uh, we struck out 11 times. I don't know the last time that we have been in double-digit strikeouts. I'll let Malcolm answer that one. But he had his slider going, his breaking ball going, threw a few change-ups and just really made it. To, and he was, you know, he was locating and he was throwing the ball where he wanted to. And plus, he had a pitcher zone, so that was uh, made it very difficult on our uh, hitters. I, I'm not, I I'm not going to sit here and say they were two different strike zones. But Rocker also got some calls Gavin Williams did not. Yeah, I'm not in the business of calling out umpires or saying umpires are terrible, but there was some questionable calls that kind of went Vanderbilt's way. Um, well, you, you very, can't very say shaky. You can't say they're two different strike zones and your guy strikes out more than the other guy. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you can't. It, it, I mean, that's a fan thing. I get that. Let's face it; it's not the reason why we lost. I'll, I'll no, go as far as no. to say that. But I, but I will say. Rocker did get a few calls that Gavin, oh, yeah. at, at least early, did not. Now, I think by the end of the game, the guy behind the plate figured it out and said, well, hell, this guy's around the dish all day. And, and, and Gavin got a couple calls that he should have gotten uh, earlier in the game. He started to get some, in my opinion, late in the game. Um, all right. Uh, always anonymous text line, by the way, Ben. Gavin pitched his arse off today. Yes, he did. Thank you. That's all that needed to be said. Don't try to uh, underestimate the, the guy that went out there and hurled. No, I don't heat. think I, I don't I don't think he was. I just think uh, Gavin Cliff Godwin on that saying he'll take Gavin over anybody in the country. That's cut eleven. Let's play that, Ben. I'll take Gavin Williams over anybody in the country, and I know we got beat today, but I'll take that guy. That guy we ain't sitting here in Nashville without that guy. So I'll take him every single step of the way. So I asked Cliff because uh, that that double play. That was kind of a bizarre <laughs> way to end the, end the inning, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. There's the not many double plays, double plays you'll see like it. Because originally the umpire signaled safe. <laughs> did, did, he, did you see that? I the did. guy on the second signal. And I thought, wait a minute. He's not safe. And then there was the throw to first. And I said, how's he safe? Yeah, have an hard time. But it ended up being a double play. So what I asked, I mean, obviously Gavin, in my, and they, he did. He went over career high pitches today, fourth time this year over 100. He got, he earned the right to pitch his, in my mind, as long as he wanted or felt like he physically could in that game. I'm not saying that he needed to go out there and have his arm fall off, but he earned the right to say, hey, coach, I'm staying in. Because there was, it was around that time, I thought, all right. And, and I, I kind of, and I asked Cliff this. This is my question. You know, he when you sent him out there in the eighth, was it, that double play that kind of affirmed that decision. Gavin uh, didn't want to come out of the game even when he came out of the game. Um, right. I thought he was as good as he's been all year, especially the length that he went. Um, I don't know exactly how long he went, but he, he did a really good job. Here's a question about Enrique Bradfield, Jr., I don't know if it was the best question. Well, I'm not going to criticize anybody. She had a little bit because... of a hard time. I think she was a little nervous. She might have been. Bless her heart. <laughs> but she's she's 
covered sports in Nashville, Tennessee, though. So he asked uh, uh, specifically about his base running. Right, and you know that's where it probably should have boom ended. But I mean, look, we've heard some doozies this year. Oh that, yeah, that I, mean, I would even put that in the top five. But um, this is Cliff on that. Did he did he steal a base today? I'm not sure. I don't think he did. Yeah, the infield single. He, he you know he's Deion Sanders, so he runs really fast down there. Um, if we'd have done a little bit better job at executing the ball, Agnos threw to Seth, and he would have been out. Um, and I, I haven't seen the replay. I have no idea. But uh, you know. We had infield in. Of course, he puts pressure on you, but thought Gavin did a really good job. He walked to lead off the game and could not steal because Gavin was picking over with a good move and being quick to the plate. So then, I, which I didn't think was going to be the last question, but I got to ask Cliff about you know kind of what the explanation was of that play because he just said there he hasn't seen the replay, right? Did he not just say that? Oh, yeah, he's, he's talking. Said, yeah, he's talking about the Agnos throw, which again was a little. Little high, a little to the left of, of Seth Cadell, but otherwise got there ahead. And Cadell did a great job to get the tag down. It's just a better play by Barfield, and his wheels came into play there. So, I mean, my question was what was, and I wasn't saying the explanation. I mean, what did they tell you if you didn't see the replay? That was kind of what I was getting at here. Here's the answer. You don't get any explanations. You can't talk to umpires after replay. You get thrown out. So no okay. explanation. But they told him something, right? I would think. I would think he would ask at the I very mean, least. Yeah. So anyway, I, I get know. it. I think he's he, just being dismissive. He doesn't. He's not in a great mood. Well, no, and I, and I get that. I don't worry about it or take any of it personally. By God, twenty six odd years of this. At least you're not the poor lady who was. No, that was that was rough. So then, uh, here is the question about what adjustments will be made for tomorrow, Cliff Godwin. Well, we're facing a different pitcher, so we'll have uh, to uh, have a different plan because they're totally two different guys. There you go. Pirates uh, lose today, two to nothing. Does it get they... easier from here? No. Again, and I, and I I have not seen Lighter throw at all. But I've talked to some people that have, and they do say there is a vol little bit of volatility with him. Yep. So, you know, going to your point, you knew uh, Gavin Williams didn't have a great out, but Gavin Williams' great out, so-so outing was, you know, still pretty good. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he bounces back today. It's it's good. You know, and Wizenhunt's fabulous. Wizenhunt... Stays on this trajectory. He's going to the show. Yeah. Uh, he's going to get drafted at least. And, and, and the Wizen Hunt thing is you're putting your season in the and, – and, and Cliff has all the confidence in him, and I, and I understand that. And he came up big against Tulane after being out a month and pitched great. He's been pretty good since then, but he just – against Norfolk State, I, he looked like a freshman. And it's, a, it's really, really tough tomorrow to send your freshman out there as great as he's been, yeah. season on the line against a guy of lighter's makeup. I'm just hoping um, maybe that was, you know, you're playing in a regional. Yeah, I, it's a, I agree. It's, it's that one bad start. You're nervous, one bad start. I electric get environment, maybe that yeah. had something to do with it. And he's a freshman for, I mean, first year college ball. Yeah. Maybe he had a little bit of nerves, and maybe he's he, gotten he, over that since. 
he had his freshman moment, just happened to be late in the season. That may be the case. I think he'll be fine tomorrow. I just, you know, that's let's keep that in the back of your mind. Hey, and we always got that cold-blooded gangster in the in the bullpen, Matt Bridges. So let him tackle somebody like he did. The Matt go. Bridges, uh, the, Matt the, Bri- the Matt Bridges, the Matt Bridges hat trick, a win, a save, a tackle. Um, we'll break. Uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll go out to Nashville, check in with a couple of fans. So uh, stand by for that here on the Patrick Johnson Uh-oh. show. Yeah. So we go out to Nashville now. A lot of Pirate fans made the trip. Uh, one of those is uh, Jared. You want us to use your whole name, Jared, or just Jared? Is Jared fine? I don't want to get yeah, you in trouble. No, as long as the FBI isn't listening now, I think we're good. Use my last name, Jared Plummer. Yeah, Jared Plummer. Uh, pack the jungle is uh, the, the battle cry and the hashtag. Let me let me say this, and we'll get into the game and all of that, but uh, just uh, seeing some of the pictures you put up, um, I don't know if you guys were able to watch from where, but you had a great parking position as far as the uh, parking yeah. deck at the top. It was kind of like the yeah. rooftops at Wrigley. I mean, it was very cool. Oh, it, it was awesome. It really was. And, and, and frankly, I had, hadn't seen it in probably 15 years. But we, I texted a buddy. I was like, hey, is, is the parking garage still, still available? He said, yeah, absolutely. So we ran up there. And about the time we get something, it's 11 stories up. And to be honest, we're currently on the, the third the, the third. The third, the, uh, the, the third deck on the way down, right? You know, the third level. So it, it's, it's quite quite a ways up and down. Um, but no, it's such a great vantage point. And, uh, and I can see why uh, during COVID, apparently a big group of guys were watching games up there from overlooking right field. It's a great spot. But no, we all had tickets, man. Right center field, pretty much most of our crew. Yeah. A lot of Pirate fans look like they were there. And uh, just kind of give us uh, your assessment of the game. And I want to ask you a little bit about the atmosphere and all that, but, but you're just, sure. I, just your thoughts on the game. I mean, what a hell of a performance by, by both well, starting pitchers. I love college baseball and that was such a great college baseball game. Um, you know, you've got two more rocker, obviously, you know, one of the top five picks, probably the top three picks, uh, coming up in the draft and you got Gavin Williams, you know, first round guy. Uh, just, I mean, those guys laid it all out and, and let, uh, let 13 K for Gavin, uh, 11 for trait, uh, for, uh, for Kumar. I mean, you know, you got exactly what you needed from your pitchers. And, uh, you know, just such a great game. Uh, of course, you know, we wanted to win. Um, but, no, it was such an amazing game. Glad, glad we were able to come. Sounded like the Pirate fans were loud at times. I mean, I really, you know, got into it. Now, it was a, if you're a baseball traditionalist, by God, what a great <laughs> what a great game today, you know, as far as just pitching, dominating. Uh, and, I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, I love those low-scoring games, but – the pitching, you just had to tip your hat to both guys. I mean, what what respect for for both pitchers? But uh, oh, no question. Yeah, but but yeah. it seemed like the pirate fans did get loud at times today. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was interesting that we were having discussions up there. Um, actually, while we were having a few a drinks at you know nine a.m. for breakfast <laughs> while we were tailgating. But uh, wait a minute, you know, wait a minute. There was there was an appearance from Birrios today. Uh, surely you just <laughs> with a noon with a noontime <laughs> first pitch. <laughs> yeah, for, as a matter of fact, is eleven local, which ah. I didn't, we didn't really think that through until right. last night. Wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, we got to get up at eight. <laughs> so you know, we got to be out there at eight. So uh, no, um, no. To be honest, we were discussing over drinks uh, this morning, mimosas. Um, ah, as to how do we handle the whistler? And so he's doing the you know three whistles, whistle, 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 and then we're like, let's see, see you that. So it was actually kind of cool. I, I tweeted a video out, and uh, it's Aaron Fit, and I think some other D one guys, and all. Uh, it said, "Hey, you know, finally someone figured out a way to neutralize the uh, the whistler." So, no, nah, look, we, it was a such a great art crowd. It was exciting to see. It's, it's cool to see so much purple. And you're driving down the street this morning, and 
you know, yellow, purple, and you get a gold back. It's, uh, it's exciting, man. I'll tell you, you know, Heart Nation, there's, there's nothing like it. And, and they traveled today, man, this weekend. How has how uh, the Vanderbilt folks been? Have they been pretty pretty good to deal with? Oh, they've been great. No, they've been great. And, and even interacting on Twitter all week, um, they've been great. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have a two-year-old son, uh, 11-week-old daughter, and uh, they were, they've were they been very, very helpful. Started, hey, why don't you go over here to get away, get out of the heat, and you can go into the basketball arena and, and stuff like that. So, no, they've been more than gracious. Um, you know, you can – and you can – what I like about Pirate Nation is that, you know, EC baseball fans are really good baseball fans. They know the game. Yeah. And thanks for Vanderbilt fans. It's, it's good to hear. You know, you can just have some, some guys who are just, you know, the drunk, crazy guys off to the, you know, off to the side. They really know their baseball here, which is – which is fun for me to see as a baseball player. Uh, Jared Plummer, uh, he's one of the big ECU supporters. Uh, the hashtag and the uh, Twitter handle, Pack the Jungle. I think he owes me some ribs. I think. I don't know. Though. <laughs> I, I turned him down initially, so I don't know if that means he owes That's me. That's right. But, uh, but he does <laughs> owe me. Uh, no, I had to get back <laughs> home that day. That was the fourth day in a row I'd done a game somewhere. And in order to save my marriage, I had to get home. I couldn't eat. Uh, and I, I couldn't eat ribs that, that's after. Why we're, that's why we're quickly driving to get some uh, get some food right now to yeah. save my marriage. There so, you go. So, yeah. Exactly. Hey, um, the l- l- did Jerry Stackhouse sang the anthem before my Kinston homeboy. How did, did he do? Okay. Yeah, we were. Li- yeah, he did great. Look, I can be honest. We were a little upset that he wasn't wearing a purple shirt. To be honest, we we're like, wait, that's Stack. We're like, we know this Stack. In fairness, he does cash his checks from Vandy. Can't be too upset about it. But you know, uh, that being said, we're like, wait, this is, this is Stack. You know, but no, he he did what I had a little soul. You know, and it was uh, it was it was fun. It was all good. Uh, Jared Plummer out there in uh, yep. in uh, Nashville, along with many other pirate fans. Uh, you guys have fun, and uh, we'll uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Now we uh, return back to the phones. One of the great Greenville legends, a man who uh, we we've known and loved for years. Richard Allsbrook is out in Nashville. How are you, Rich? Patrick, I'm doing great. Um, tough. Tough loss today, but really proud to be a pirate. You know, we we we're, we're talking to a few fans out there for the show here today, and uh, I know you have a lot of respect for just you know playing the game the right way and that kind of thing. Uh, and and it just seemed like both sides. The pitching was great, but I mean, guys also made great plays in the field today. At the time you had to kind of be on your toes because the pitchers were so good. So credit to the fielders today for the by and large, you played pretty well. I, I totally agree. Um, really, a, really a, a pitcher's duel, pitcher's exhibition, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, you've got to get tip the hat to, to to Vanderbilt, but also you have to tip the hat to our guys because our guys battled all day long and uh, they did not quit. I promise you, there was fight. I was right down low with them, and they were they were they were in this game the whole time, even in the ninth. Uh, we got uh, Richard Oldsberg, one of many Pirate fans we're talking to that are out there in Greenville. Here, the biggest reason I called you, one, I think I owed you a phone call, maybe two. But the other, <laughs> but the other reason I called you, you met the the Whistler. I did meet the Whistler. Um, his name is Preacher, and, and he told me there are actually two Whistlers. There's a good guy and a bad guy Whistler, Ooh. and he was guy, and he was the good guy. Okay. But well, he was um, very, very genuine, real nice fella, um, just uh, very cordial. I did notice this about the whistler. It seemed like he would stop whistling as the pitcher was delivering the pitch. In other words, he wasn't trying to create noise when the pitcher was, you know, kind of following through like in a golf swing. Now, am I imagining that, or, or does that make him the good whistler? I think he's the good whistler, yeah. I think he actually well, goes silent occasionally, which is nice because 
We tried to counter that today. I don't know if you can. I heard it. I heard the ECU chant. Yeah. Uh, every time he would whistle, we would ECU it. So. You guys got a lot of shout out on social media for that. I think you may have made. I think Pirate Nation may have made some more friends uh, in, in college baseball's universe. <laughs> so now, who's we, the, we, Rich? Who's the bad whistler? I, well, I didn't meet him, but okay. he's there. All right, there was like a dueling banjo. They had dueling whistlers at one point, but I couldn't see him. All right, uh, give me, uh, give me what. You, what do you think our guys got to do tomorrow to to even this thing out? Well, there's so much talk about pitching and pitching, but I, I think really the team that plays the best, and I know that sounds really corny, but, but the team that plays the best wins the game. And regardless of who's been to what championship and who's done what, and, uh, you know, the, the, the team that plays the best is going to win this thing. And I think we're there with them. There's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind we can't win tomorrow. So I'd say the Pirates win tomorrow. We come back Sunday. Yeah, it's anybody's game. You get it to Sunday. So that's the, the mission at this point. Uh, get it to tomorrow and then let the chips fall where they may. Hey, uh, Richard Allsbrook, thank you. You're welcome. There he goes, uh, Richard Allsbrook. I uh, had a couple of others. We, we, we may hear from them before the show's up. We may not. Uh, but we knew a bunch of fans and a bunch of friends were going out there, so we just wanted to get their experience. Uh, it, leave it to Richard to always put a good spin on the whistler. I know the whistler's annoying, but, I mean, they had nothing to do with today. The people complaining about that, the most competitive thing they have done is put their tidy whities on. Hey, people morning. really believe that gives them a competitive advantage? Well, I mean, that's, again, well, like I said, the most competitive, the people really promoting <laughs> that, the most competitive thing they've done is put their tidy whities on in the morning. Yeah, plus, they're crybabies. I mean, they need to well, I just, find I, elsewhere I, I, for I mean, it's, is, it, is it annoying? Sure. But, I mean, I, I just, it's, it, would you rather the person be. Screaming profanities the whole game? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's cool. It's one of the things that makes college sports, college sports, college baseball, college Everybody has their thing that other people find annoying. Right. I wouldn't want to sit beside him. Don't want to be near him. But, I mean, my God, people complain about that. It's ridiculous. Um, Let's get – oh, well, look, we had a pirate finish in the top three nationally, right, Ben? Yeah. You got that coming up in the update? Yeah, we're – hey, leading off. Harold Varner's not going to finish in the top of anything. This not week. like it get. <laughs> not so much. So, uh, so yesterday, the college football playoff committee held the big, uh, you know, deal. We talked about it some yesterday at the beginning of the show. Essentially, what this means is in 2023, looks like we're going to have an expanded playoff to 12 teams. Now, there's been a little further on this that we're not going to have that, that, that bowl games aren't going to be impacted because ESPN basically owns all the bowl games now. And that's big TV programming for them. So they're, they're still gonna, we're still gonna have ten thousand bowl games. Those bowl games aren't going anywhere. But um, Rennie Angolia, friend of the show, uh, candidate for the College Football Hall of Fame again, is uh, going to join us next, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, and uh, what that could mean for the American. There's some clear, there's some language that made it seem like the American might slide in there, and they could, but it's it's not. We'll explain. Uh, but right now, Ben, with an update, then Rini will join us here on the PJ Show. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. We start things off with ECU track and field. Summer night wrapped up East Carolina's 2021 outdoor campaign, finishing in third place in the pole vault at the NCAA Outdoor Championships. Knight smashed her own school record in the event, clearing a lifetime best 4.35 meters to secure first team 
All-America accolades. From college baseball, from the Lubbock Regionals, Texas Tech squaring off against Stanford, and the Cardinals beating the brakes off of the Red Raiders 11-2 in the top of the seventh. Meanwhile, Arizona State has hired alum and former big, le- big leaguer Willie Bloomquist as its next baseball coach. From college hoops, Wake Forest is adding 6'10 graduate transfer Kadeem Sai from Ole Miss. Sai averaged 7.7 points and 4.4 rebounds with the Rebels. From the PGA Tour, East alum Harold one of the third tough day. Four over. The cut's currently five under. It's not looking too good. From the NFL, Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera revealed in a press conference earlier today there will be an open competition for the starting quarterback job. The current quarterbacks on the roster are Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, and Steven Montez. From the NBA, Toronto Raptors forward and former All-Star Pascal Siakam will miss the next five months of basketball activities along with some time at the start of the next season due to surgery on his shoulder. And from the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets have hired assistant Brad Larson as their new head coach. Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brendamore has been announced as one of the three finalists for the Jack Adams Award, which is an annual Coach of the Year award by the NHL. That's going to do it for your 94th City Game Sports Update. I'm Ben Barham. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. And 94.3thegame.com. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 94.3thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. More on this. The devil is in the details. We'll also uh, get into some of the analysis. Our good friend Rini Angolia, ESPN College Football Analyst, joining us uh, here from uh, sunny Florida. Rini, how are you? Good, PJ. Thanks for having me. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Boy, what a day yesterday was with this college football playoff announcement. And uh, what's your overall reaction to it out of the gates here? Yeah, something had to be done. You know, uh, in the beginning when the playoff was set, I was, you know, I was a staunch, you know, keeping it for it was it was working really well but as it's kind of progressed through the years here we kind of see what's happening right the same teams uh, are getting in and so really there was not a legitimate chance for a group of five program and really there there is a lot of uh power five programs that really didn't have a chance so something needs to be done and so I, i like what they did the six highest ranked conference champions and so if we would have put this model in last year uh, Coastal out of the Sun Belt would have been in, and Cincinnati out of the American would have been. The Pac-12 would have been left out. So you would have had two group of five teams in it, which I think is great, which shows you there is a chance. And, and it, listen, it puts a premium on conference championships, and I've always said we need to get back to that. So I love that. I think, you know, there's a lot of naysayers. Oh, it's going to it's gonna you know relegate the, the regular season. No, it's not. I think it's going to make the regular season better. Conference champions are going to – it's a premium to win your conference championship. And listen, at the end of the day, TJ, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, we may have the same teams winning the championship, okay? Not going to change that per se, but it's going to give other teams a chance to get in and give them a chance. And that's all you can ask for. Rini Angolia with us uh, here, Patrick Johnson Show. A lot, a lot of places to go here. 
I'll, I'll just kind of stick to my original line of questioning and then branch off as a follow-up to some of the things you just said. But eight was the obvious number. It's hanging out there. Why not eight? See, and I, I was a proponent of eight. I thought they would have gone the uh, the five power five champions and then the highest ranked uh, group of five champion and two at-larges. But, uh, you know, I think there, there's a committee in place already to, to pick at-larges. And really, are you going to keep a committee, a large committee together to pick two teams? So I think, you know, now at 12, that gives them six at-larges. And then I think also what it does is it gives them to have that leeway to have the six highest ranked uh, conference champions. And, and that would bring more uh, or give more opportunity to the group of five. So as I sat and kind of looked at it, it made sense to me and I like it. So, you know, go 12. I, I don't have a problem with it. I like it. The way it's worded, you say six highest ranked conference champions. That does not necessarily mean that it's the uh, – so-called P5 and then the American, which uh, I fielded some calls on that late last night from from people who are all excited. The clarification on that is uh, it very well could be out of the American. It could be out of the Sun Belt. could be out of the Mountain West. Uh, it could be uh, a, a couple of uh, G5, if you will, schools. It's just going to really depend on uh, how this, this rankings work. But, you know, the glass half empty in me says, Rini, that this is not necessarily any better for the American than it has been traditionally. Am I wrong? No, I think no. Yeah, I think you are, PJ. I think it is better because, you know, you look at the UCF team from a few years ago that got left out. I think the, I might be a little off on the dates. The, the 2017 to 2018 team, the, you know, the one team that went undefeated. The national Auburn. champs. The national Yeah, the, the national champs. <laughs> so if you took this format, right, if you took this format those two years, UCF in, and not only are they in, one of the years they would have they would have hosted uh, the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, so I think it I think it does help the group of fives. It gives you more motivation, and it gives you motivation to play better non conference schedules, which of course they're already trying to do. Which sure. the problem is right getting the getting the power fives to play them. So you know I, I think it does, and I and I mentioned it. If you put this format in this past year, twenty twenty. The Pac-12 would have been left out. You would have got a Sun Belt team in in Coastal and an American team in Cincinnati. So I think if you're Conference USA, if you're Sun Belt, you're, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, we have hope. Because remember, Western Michigan a few years ago uh, was the Group of Five team uh, that, that got to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. So there, is, it just gives you it gives you hope starting the season. Well, yeah, and let's yeah. be and let's be realistic. What you have now. When you start the season, there's a lot of teams that are like, okay, we're playing for a conference championship and we're playing for a decent bowl game, but realistically, we're not getting in the playoff. Now you're playing for a conference championship and you say, listen, if we can get ranked high enough, if we run the table, if we knock some teams off, we can get in the playoff. So I, I just think it's, I, I think it's, it's good and it's a wise decision. And listen, Bill Hancock from the college football playoff committee told us right year after year, it's not changing. It's not changing. It's not changing. It's set in stone. Well, guess what? Now they have a committee that did this. It's going to change. It's going to take a couple of years, uh, but it's going to change because, because the, what is happening basically dictated mm-hmm. that it, that it got changed. And listen, uh, we all know, you know TV has to have a say in it. ESPN, has to have a saying in some of the other networks, but it's only going to mean more viewers, more dollar. 
You watch and hear Rini Agolia on uh, ESPN College Football coverage. You'll hear him uh, during the bowl season occasionally on uh, national radio. Uh, college Football Hall of Fame nominee yet again, our good friend Rini Agolia. Yeah, by the way, uh, this by, could be the year. You never know. Congratulations. Ben and I are very excited that uh, Ben always reports. Whenever they do the big release, <laughs> he makes sure he throws Rini Angolia in there with with all the huge names. Well, so it was go. funny. I was I was looking down. And I go, boy, I don't think I made the ballot this year, but my name was off. Uh, I was in the wrong column, so I'm still <laughs> in it. So uh, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Well, I hope you can. Then we could introduce you as College Football Hall of Famer, Rini. So let's hope that, that be, that's the case. That uh, would be cool. That would be. It would be good to know a Hall of Famer personally too. Uh, I, I have to look at the list. I'm sure I know, but yeah, it'd be good to to, to know one personally. <laughs> uh, we got Rini uh, here with us. Notre Dame was mentioned specifically as not being yeah. able to get that first, and I, I would assume uh, that uh, BYU would also be considered kind of in that group. And I mentioned them because BYU was really in this thing last yeah. year and, and kind of eliminated themselves with that last-minute game they scheduled against Coastal, which was a fabulous game. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I, 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 does this mean that we'll see BYU in football join the American? Uh, obviously, Notre Dame to the ACC has to happen now, right? Yeah, well, you never know. And look, don't forget my UMass, right? My alma mater. Ah, They're an independent, yes. too. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so if, you're, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're kind of confused, so the independent cannot be one of the top uh, four teams that's going to get a bye because they don't have a conference championship. So automatically that, that does not allow them to do that. So obviously that's going to make them a little upset. But listen, you can't make everybody happy when you make changes. So yes, I think, I think, I think everyone was excited, uh, when Notre Dame was in the ACC last year. I think it was a win-win. So yes, I think if this goes through to fruition, if it goes to 12 teams, I think ultimately you will see Notre Dame, uh, ultimately join the ACC as a full-time member in football. Of course, they're already a full-time member in all the other sports. BYU, I had mentioned on social media last year, I thought BYU should have tried to make a little deal with the American like Notre Dame did with the ACC, I think that would be a great fit. I really do, and I still do. I've done a game out there uh, in Provo, Utah. It's a great uh, program, great athletics program all the way around. Um, yeah, so, and I, listen, I, I think even we joked about UMass, all the independents, I think it behooves them to get into a conference if they can. It, it just does, um, even without even without this. I just think the, the conference play opens things up for you. So, yeah, um, I think if this goes through in a year or two, I think you, we, we ultimately may see a few moves. Rini Angolia, college football analyst on the line with us, uh, college football playoff, the proposal yesterday to move to 24 teams. Could happen as soon as uh, the end of the uh, regular season in 2023, so we'll see. I, I, obviously, it's something that probably couldn't have been put into place as a postseason mechanism uh, this year, although – with uh, everything that college football showed uh, in 2020, uh, you know, maybe it could have been done, but it, it looks like a possibility of something that, that would uh, come into play in 2023. Here, Rini, here's the thing that I think is, is uh, they just don't get enough credit for in football, and this is one of these tangents that, uh, but, you know, nationally, and we, we kind of talked about this when we had you on last year around this time, and everybody was, you know, bemoaning the fact that there would be a season. You know, nationally, I think the NFL was very flexible. I think college football was extremely flexible last year. 
and the the narrative nationally is well these are you know guys with that uh, real sort of neanderthal mentality they're not forward thinking they're not flexible to me the game of football has been as flexible as anybody during this whole mess i agree with you wholeheartedly yeah i mean listen our country's been through so much and, and there was so much divisiveness last year um and you know let's be honest there was a lot of people uh, including in the sports media who did not want to have a football season, a college football season in particular, they can come out now and say, no, that's not true. <laughs> I was just being, I was being a realist baloney. We all read stuff. We all saw tweets. Uh, you know me, I, from day one, I was 100% positive that we'd have a season. You know, there, there was just so many unattended consequences, not just for college football, but for everything. If we just, you know, shut down and say, nope, we're not doing it. And, and listen, now that we look back, right, uh, with everything that's gone on, uh, it, it's proven that the right things were done and, a, and it was right to play a college football season. So, you know, and we move forward. I'm just, I love to see, I love seeing all these tweets from programs saying 100% capacity, 100% capacity for next year because it's going to be great uh, having those stadiums packed. But, yeah, I mean, I think the right things were done. The right safety precautions were taken. And we got a season in, and I, and I think it was, a, it was a win-win. It was unfortunate that, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 kind of dragged their feet at the, you know, to, and got in late, but at least they got in and got it done. I think, you know, the SEC, uh, kudos to them because they were really, you know, driving the bus there, and the American was in from the beginning, and so some other conferences were yeah, as well. So, absolutely. You know, yeah. I – yeah, I just think it was uh, it was the right thing to do, and and but but it, it, and just to get back to your last point, it proved the flexibility. It showed the flexibility that you have, and I think the college football playoff committee saw that, and it showed you can play games later. You don't need as much time before a playoff game. You can move things around. You could start the season. You could start everybody in week zero, and I think ultimately that's what they're going to do. Because teams aren't going to want to lose a a, uh, right, yeah. a home a home gate, you know they may knock it down from a twelve team uh, twelve game season to eleven, but actually I don't think they will. I think they'll keep it at twelve as long as you start everybody in week zero, which is kind of really the last week in August. It still gives you a lot of room to maneuver. It gives you time for bye weeks, and and uh, so yeah, I think really that's one huge thing last year showed is is the flexibility that we have in college football. That's Rainey and Golia there. You want to hear everything else we talked about with Rainey, check out the podcast, 943thegame.com. Thanks to uh, the uh, Pirate fans that called in from uh, Nashville. Thanks to Rainey for being with us. Great job always by Ben. And we'll be back Monday. Pirates will have to uh, win tomorrow to force a decisive game three. You can hear the game tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game, beginning at 1145 from Nashville in the Super Regional. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, shout out. Gannis Hodges retiring from calling high school ball. Last broadcast was with Trent McGee for the basketball championship. See you Monday.